Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. It's a discussion episode, and I'm very excited about this one. To give you a little bit of context as to why I'm doing this particular one, firstly, as you know uh, from my episode on goals for 2022, what I want to do moving forward is to do more episodes like this, where I research a topic in great detail and kind of give my thoughts and opinions on it as it pertains to me or you know it could be for instance a topic like marketing where i'm actually working in that field so i've got a lot to say on the matter or it couldn't be something that i've got very little knowledge of which is kind of the case with this um what happened was that someone came up to me uh someone i met recently let's say came up to me we were having a conversation and um, they mentioned this idea of multi-potentiality or that I might be a multipod. And I was like, what's that? And she immediately uh, pointed me to a TED talk by a woman called Emily Wapnick. And I went out of my way to check that out. And I recommend that you all should too. And suddenly I found myself in a world, a new world, where not only was I learning about this completely new thing that I'd never heard about but also I realized this refers to me now when I started doing my research for this episode um I knew I knew it was going to be long I mean I've got like two pages of notes that I'm going to go through and everything but at the same time as is the case with many fields when you, when you start sort of looking into them you find yourself going down a rabbit hole and originally this episode was just going to be on multi-potentiality. But then I discovered this term called polymathy. I think that's how you say it. And um, it's very closely connected. I mean, they're essentially the same thing in the sort of basic concept, but they are also very different uh, in terms of how people define them. And, um, and, we'll, and we'll go into more detail about this uh, throughout the episode. But it made me think that this has to be a bigger episode. And then I kind of thought like, oh, maybe I should do two episodes. And I was like, no, this should be one kind of big, long episode. It takes as long as it takes. And also, I just thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of give my thoughts on this and also talk a little bit about how it relates to me, my experiences, and also just kind of in general, why it's an interesting topic. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm going to firstly, I'm, I'm going to quote a lot of things in this. I hope you don't mind, um, but I will be commenting on everything and, and whatnot. And um, I did a lot of research. I did use Wikipedia. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's a cardinal sin, but it's a very useful uh, resource and everything comes from a source. That's the thing Like you can fact check all of this. There's actual sources available and whatnot. It's not just been edited by some 10 year old, you know, it's actually legit. And if it is wrong, I will hold my hands up and say, Hey, I told you it was Wikipedia. <laughs> but generally I found that scientific pages and psychological pages and, and whatnot tend to be fault proof. I mean, I'm sure there'll be many that will disagree with me on that, but in my experience, those ones tend to be more closely taken care of. Whereas if it's a, a Wikipedia page about some celebrity or something, then expect it to be fraught with just nonsense because it is written just by someone. Uh, whereas these ones are often from what I understand, contributed to by actual scientists or, or people studying those fields and whatnot. 
Um, but it's just something to keep in mind, you know, every Wikipedia page is obviously written by someone, group of people, whatever. So there might be um, inaccuracies in this. So it's just something to bear in mind. But, you know, I mean, this isn't like some big political, I was gonna say political, this isn't some scientific, uh, it's not political, but this isn't like some scientific kind of podcast. It's It's me kind of introducing some new concepts that maybe you've never heard of um and kind of just giving my thoughts on it and and who knows maybe we'll do follow-ups um i'm more than happy for you to suggest future topics for me to delve into uh, as i explore doing discussion-based episodes because i feel like this is a whole new area for me um, it also helps me with those situations where i have no shows because i had one recently and uh, I was going to do a follow-up episode, uh, follow-up episode, sorry, I'm mincing my words here. I was going to do a discussion-based episode um, as a replacement, but I decided to have sort of a week off um, from the podcast. And because sometimes I like to do that, you know, just kind of give it some breathing space. I saw that the last episode didn't get as, as many views, which is a shame because I thought it was very good and uh, that my guest was excellent, but um, you know, I think there's maybe a call for, for, for me to push this podcast further. You know, it's, it's not just enough to just interview people. I need to also sh demonstrate that I can sort of produce something on my own. And it's an area that I'm always working on because I don't think it's as good. I think I've had some exceptions where there's episodes that I'm proud of that were just me. Um, but I need to step up my game and this is me trying to do that. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and get something out of it. And I hope that you enjoy the idea of having more discussion based episodes. And yeah, so let's get on with it, shall we? According to Wikipedia, multipotentiality is an educational and psychological term referring to the ability and preference of a person, particularly one of strong intellectual or artistic curiosity to excel in two or more different fields. It can also refer to an individual whose interests span multiple fields or areas rather than being strong in just one. Such traits are called multi-potentialities, but it's also suggested as a term for people who have these traits. By contrast, those whose interests lie mostly within a single field are called specialists. Now, um, there is a bit of a sort of a debate online about this, which we'll delve into further um, as we get through the episode. But in a basic sense, it's kind of like multi-potentialists versus specialists, not like two opposing forces or anything, but traditionally being a specialist within your field, at least in the last couple of hundred years, has been seen as a very kind of important thing to have. And, you know, from what I've sort of read into in the past day uh, it would appear that we are in the age of the specialist and before that was the age of the renaissance man which we'll go into later on this idea of someone who is multidisciplined and has knowledge in various areas and from what i understand in the renaissance period between sort of 14th century to 17th century it was expected for people to be skilled in a range of different areas like that was the expectation of people so if you didn't meet that then you know you're you're not fitting the criteria i guess of a, a well-rounded person or, or for that particular period you you don't sort of 
cut the mustard, so to speak. Uh, I don't know if that's the right use of that term, but haven't used it in a while. Um, whereas now, and certainly in the last couple of hundred years, what with the um, industrial revolution and, and whatnot, uh, being skilled in a particular area is invaluable and was and was the the focal point you know in schooling uh we have you know anything ranging from being asked when you're between the ages of three to five years like you know what do you want to do with your life which is uh, a theme that emily wapnick kind of comments on in her ted talk which is this idea that you know we're kind of put into a box from a young age we're told this is what you can be you need to pick one thing this is what you can be whereas when it comes to, you know, the actuality of that in, in life, you're often required to do many different things in, you know, different fields. Like, for instance, if you're a bartender, you're not just serving drinks. You're also, you know, a psychologist <laughs> or you're expected to be a good listener, give advice. You know, that's a that's another thing that um, you, I mean, some places might give you training in that. I suppose they might tell you like, hey, you can expect this. But I think most bartenders, you know, when they're, when they're taught certainly how to, to do the position, it's just focusing on how to make the drinks and, you know, how to deal with the pressure of customer service. Um, but that's just a small example of, of, you know, where you're told you need to focus on one thing, but then the actuality of the position is very different. And this is a theme that I've seen again and again in business and different roles that I've looked into and whatnot. And as I say, we'll get into that a bit later. So that's a bit of an idea of what multi-potentiality is. Now, polymathy is, or this is what Wikipedia again says, a polymath is an individual whose knowledge spans a substantial number of subjects and is known to draw a complex body of knowledge to solve specific problems. Now, from what I understand, based on what I've read, the key difference, I suppose, between a multipotentialite and a polymath, <laughs> I nearly messed that up, is that a multipotentialite, the clue is in the name, it, they have potential to be brilliant in several areas, whereas um, a polymath is an expert within those different fields. I think many of us probably fall into the multi-potentialite category because we'll more than likely have one thing that we're focusing on and then everything else is kind of like a light hobby for us or it might even be something that we put equal amount of effort into but it's not the, the driving force because as I mentioned before, school and society has pushed us in, in the age of um, being of specialism to be within that one field, you know, like you, you, you can't, you're almost told a lot of the time not to focus on anything else. Like I've been told that I've had people tell me, Oh, you should only focus on this, you know, your, your interests and, and um, the goals are too, are too broad. And part of the reason why I'm doing this episode is because I want to kind of demonstrate that, being a multi-potentialite or a polymath is firstly a possibility it's something that many people are and and, and it's a category that they fit within and uh, it's certainly something that i feel is a part of who i am and i've had many people over the years tell me that you know i lack focus or you know my head is in the clouds or you know i'm just not focusing on the right things and i totally disagree i think that 
Um, it, it depends on, on your mindset, like what you want from life. If you're happy doing one thing and that's all you want to do, then that's great. You know, you're a specialist and, and that's what you like to do. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But if you're a multi-potentialite or a polymath, it kind of means that you're not happy doing the one thing. You need to do a lot of different things in order to be happy. And that's kind of the point, I guess, I'm trying to drive at with, with doing this particular episode is that it's okay if you only want to do one thing. And it's also okay if you want to do many things. Um, for instance, just with me, I am a musician. I am an aspiring actor. I am an aspiring voice actor, a podcaster, a content creator, a poet. You know, there's a lot of different things that I do that I love to do that are part of me and that I put an equal amount of effort into. But they're all very different. But one thing I've kind of discovered, and I discovered this when I started acting, because acting has come into my life quite late. It came in 2019. And, you know, I'd, I'd never... I'd done like school stuff, but I'd never really actually acted before. And as soon as I did it, I loved it. And I realized it felt the same as performing on stage um, in a band, you know, it's the same sort of feeling. And I sort of started to realize then, and now I fully realize this, that if you're a multi-potentialite or a polymath, or even just a creative in general, chances are, you're going to be skilled in a number of different areas. Um, so for example, you know, you might be an artist, but you might also be a musician and a writer. Um, there, there are very famous examples of polymaths and multi-potentialites, such as Sir Isaac Newton, um, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson. And if you look into their bios, you know, they did a lot of different things and they excelled in all those different areas. And going back to the difference between multi-potentialite and polymath, with polymaths, essentially what is being said is that they actually excelled in those areas. In all those different areas, they excelled. They became experts within those fields. Whereas multi-potentialites, again, it's the potential to do so. It's not necessarily a definite thing. It's kind of saying to you, you know what, this is a possible thing for you. And it's a community as well. This is one of the themes that Emily Wapnick actually comments on, that there's this whole community um, around the world who fit into this category or community of, of multi-potentialites. And um, it's, it's kind of a really positive thing because they're all kind of demonstrating that you're not you're not alone in this. You know, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't matter if your parents or school told you you know, that you're, you're focused on too many things and you have to pick one thing. They were wrong. You know, you can be successful in a range of different areas. I mean, for instance, in my life, I do, I do sales, I do recruitment, I do marketing, I do this online stuff. You know, I do a lot of different things and I love doing all of those different things. I like the differences between them, but I also like the fact that there's this kind of common thread between all of them. Even in sales and marketing, I find myself being creative. And so it's like a common thread between all of those different fields. But it's also trying to master those fields too. But anyway, I digress. So let's uh, explore a few more quotes relating to multi-potentiality. In 1972, 
R.H. Frederickson et al. defined a multi-potentialed person as someone who provides or has proved, let's start that again. In 1972, R.H. Frederickson et al. defined a multi-potentialed person as someone who proved with appropriate environments, they can select and develop a number of competencies to a high level. In 2008, Douglas Haney referred to multipotentiality as excelling in multiple fields of energy. In 2010, Tamran Fisher defined multipotentiality as being the state of having many exceptional talents any one or more of which could make for a great career for that person. And I've mentioned Emily Wapnick a few times, but she coined the term multi-potentialite in 2015, I believe for the first time within her TED talk, although she may have done it earlier. And she said, a multi-potentialite is a person who has many different interests and creative pursuits in life. Multi-potentialites have no one true calling the way that specialists do. Being a multi-potentialite is our destiny. We have many paths and we pursue all of them, either sequentially or simultaneously, or both. Multi-potentialists thrive on learning, explaining, exploring, and mastering new skills. We are excellent at bringing disparate ideas together in creative ways. This makes us incredible innovators and problem solvers. When it comes to new interests that emerge or insatiable curiosity leads us to absorb everything we can get our hands on. As a result, we pick up new skills fast and tend to be a wealth of information. I've made a few mistakes in the reading of this, but I just, I just got really excited about this topic, um, mostly because it, it, it applies to me and I finally feel like it's not just me. I actually... <laughs> you know, I know, I know it, might, it might sound silly sometimes, but I think a, a big part of life is, is identity, isn't it? It's exploring who you are, what you are. And when you have finally understood who you are, there is a sense of freedom involved with that and a sense of contentment and happiness. And it made me so happy when I discovered this. When this, um, when this friend of mine referred me to this, I, I was like, oh, my God. I'm not a freak. I'm not, you know, someone who just has, I don't know, um, loads of energy, but, you know, not enough focus. Because I feel very focused on all these different things. And um, this, here's another thing as well. Emily Wepnick discussed the idea that multi-potentialists tend to go all in on a particular thing before moving on to the next thing. And she discusses this idea that it's it's quite often the case that multi-potentialites will get bored with a thing. So maybe you learn the piano, you feel like you've mastered the piano or you've done a lot on there and you get bored and you want to move on. Whereas I have a sort of a different feeling about that because I find myself juggling many different things at once, but also wanting to be the best within everything that I do. Um, and I don't want to stop doing those things. You know, instead what I tend to do is shift gears focus on one thing and then move to the next thing, but never abandon the thing before. Uh, I keep it ticking over. So, you know, sometimes I go for a bout of, you know, recently, for instance, I've written a bunch of songs. Um, and then there'll probably be a period where I just don't write some music for a while because I'm focusing on other things. But I won't abandon music. I'll just come back to it. 
because I go on my feeling like, hmm, I'm feeling doing a podcast right now. Hmm, I'm feeling writing a song right now. Hmm, I've got an idea for an acting skit. You know, it's like, <sighs> the way I've understood creativity over the years is that, the, at least in my perspective, is that these ideas come to me. And when I feel, okay, I can turn this into something, I do it. So I'm reacting on, on feeling and th this, this idea that the idea has, has been gifted to me as opposed to, you know, like I'm trying to sit down and force an idea. And that's something when I was a teenager, I didn't really get the idea of being creative. I, you know, I always used to find it difficult and I felt like anything that I created was just rubbish. You know, like I remember setting up a YouTube channel back in 2013 and I didn't upload, you know, I tried a couple of videos that were popular at the time, um, but it just wasn't me. But that's besides the point. Like, I just didn't have any ideas. I had nothing to contribute other than music. And even if you go on my YouTube channel to this day, my main, my main account, you can find all those old um, YouTube videos on there from that time. Because those videos I was proud of because that was me and, and still is. But I deleted all the other stuff because... <sighs> It wasn't me and it just wasn't creative in any way. It, was, it wasn't in the, in the way that I'm creative now. I had to sit down and force myself to try and come up with an idea or I'd do like a crappy version of something that someone else has already done. Whereas now I wait for ideas to materialize and then I create. So for example, I don't constantly post poetry. I'll post it once in a while. And that's normally because I'll just have a few ideas and I'll just turn it into something same with music but um going back to to, to Emily Wapnick and, and that point I was making before I just kind of feel like maybe there are different groups even within the multi-potentialite or, or um, polymathy sphere and uh, this is actually something that's explored in um, academia as well from what I've read um, there's many academics that have suggested that there's like different types of people within these fields. And that kind of refers to the level of uh, how committed they are to things. So there's some people that like me that are kind of obsessive workaholics that are just obsessed with being the best in every single area. And then there's other people that have like a, a novel interest in all those areas, but don't necessarily want to commit to one thing. They want to kind of explore explore a lot of different things and have like more of a varied life so I guess it's the difference between someone who's looking more for experiences and having fun versus someone who's doing it all for work purposes but does love those things um, and I think that makes a bit more sense as well because uh, no two coins are the same you know what I mean like it's you're gonna have different types of people and and um, even if you do come up with a term that's sort of generalized, it, it can never fully be applicable to everyone because we're all different, you know. So anyway, let's explore a little bit more about polymathy. So in 1603, Johann von Wawen, I think that's how you say his name, defined polymathy as knowledge of various mass matters drawn from all kinds of studies ranging freely through all of the fields of the disciplines as far as the human mind with unwearied industry and is able to pursue them i've just i've just completely destroyed that haven't i unwearied industry industry my apologies um 
from here developed the idea of the Renaissance man, something that I, I commented on earlier, a gifted person who sought to develop their abilities in all areas of accomplishment, an intellectual and artistic person, social, physical and spiritual. During the Renaissance age, a gentleman or courtier was expected to be able to speak several languages, play a musical instrument, write poetry and so on. Now, I covered that before, but this particular part is very interesting to me. The idea of a universal education was gifted to this idea of achieving polymath ability, hence the word university was used to describe a seat of learning. So the clue is in the name there. However, the original Latin word universitas refers in general to a number of persons associated into one body, a society, a company, community, guild, corporation, etc. At this time, during the Renaissance, universities did not specialize in specific areas, but rather trained students in a broad array of science, philosophy and theology. And this universal education gave them a grounding from which they could then continue into apprenticeships towards becoming a master of a specific field. This is something that we've lost. This is this is big. This I mean, you can make the argument that in university, in certain fields, they try to get, still give you a broad range of, of you know, knowledge. I mean, I know they tried to do that a little bit in my business degree, um, but ultimately you come away with a specialism. That's the point. And you take that specialism and you, and you, go, you go get a job with it or you pursue academia and, and you, know, you go down that route, but you're still specializing. You're still looking at a particular area. And... The, the problem with school, at least in the UK, is that, you know, it is varied and I suppose polymathic in, a, in, in design because it's given you all these different areas and saying to you, OK, you need to learn about all these things. And then but they but they force you to choose. This is the thing they force you to choose. And I know it's partly by design. You know, it's because of the fact that you need to choose subjects. You can't study everything. Um, but then it makes you think like, well, why not? You know, at, G at GCSE level in here in the UK, you have to pick like, or at least back when I was at school, like three or four GCSEs or whatever. And you just lost. There was a bunch of things that I would have loved to have continued studying. But I don't know. We just weren't allowed to. Maybe there's not enough time in the day. Um, and that's a big failing, I think, of university. Um, not only is it built into the system not university sorry well yeah university and schooling it's not only is it built into the structure of education that um you need to choose and focus on one thing but also you're told from a young age that you need to pick something or you're kind of pushed into to focusing on one area and that is something that i think would be great for us to return to it seems like during the renaissance era it was a completely different mindset back then you know there was this expectation to be educated in a range of different areas and i still think that that's important i don't know based on what i've read and, and like how i see society going at the moment this idea of multi-potentiality and polymathy seems like it's re-emerging, um, particularly in the business world. 
I mean, we can make a case for modern businesses demanding multi-potentialities and polymaths. I mean, some job roles in the job markets require you to be skilled in a range of different areas. For example, I looked up a role today, which was just the basic uh, copywriter role. And it said, you will be required to support departments, including social media, SEO, and PR. Now that's very normal. But I can tell you from my experience working in marketing, what that will mean is you will start with one thing and you'll end up doing a bunch of other different jobs that have nothing to do with what you do. Um, now, you can make the argument that you need to be multi-skilled in, in, in a multitude of areas in order to be valuable to, to the company. But I mean, SEO can be its own thing. You know, you can have people that only do SEO. And I've worked in companies where, you know, I would only focus on copywriting. You had the SEO team that focused on SEO, the ads team that focused on Google ads, a Facebook ads team, you know, like it, it depends how the company's structured and some companies choose to split these things. Some companies choose to put everything together, like sales and marketing is, is linked together sometimes. So that is a big aspect of it. But when you look at job adverts online, you'll often find that they're looking for the impossible person, a person that has, you know, 10, 15 years experience or less, or maybe three to five years experience. And they've got seemingly experience in every single area. And it's often ridiculous and impossible to, to be able to get all of that, you know, experience. And the only people that would have that experience would be managers, not entry level people, but that's a whole other conversation right there. Um, and also, I mean, it's the argument, isn't it? Specialism versus multi-potentiality or polymathy. What is better? What is more useful? Someone who has, is an expert in one area or someone who, you know, is skilled in many different areas. Now, I'm sure you've all heard of the, uh, the old aphorism, jack of all trades, master of none. That's where the negative negativity towards polymathy and, and multi-potentiality comes, or at least historically, because there's this idea that if you're skilled in a bunch of areas, you lack focus, you lack direction. I mean, that, I'm sure that's why people older than me um, in family and, and friends and whatnot have said to me over the years, oh, you know, you, you lack focus, because there's a concern that if you are skilled in a, in a multitude of areas or you are focused on a lot of different things, you know, you're going to lose out because you don't have that one thing, you know, you, you're, you're not focused enough. So you will lose focus whenever you try to do things. And I absolutely disagree. I think it's a case of kind of going all in on something um, and juggling things. You know, I think it's possible to, to multitask, but there will always be a point where you need to kind of put hundred percent focus on one thing and there's not much room to, to budge sometimes, you know, um, like right now I'll go all in on this podcast. I'll finish it. I'll edit it. I'll promote it. You know, that's a whole process that takes many hours. Sometimes it can get, take more than a couple of days. And so my main focus will be that thing. I might try to find time elsewhere to do other things, but ultimately this is going to be dominating my time. Now, one interesting quote that I read relating to this idea of um, maybe we could call it like a neo-renaissance movement or something, neo-renaissance man, perhaps. 
But um, an academic called Jake Chapman stated that in the modern world, where a way uh, a common job might require someone to be a social media expert, a public speaker, a writer, and a data analyst, the polymath wins, and the deep subject matter expert is relegated to a back corner to be used as a resource for others. Um, as an investor, if I were going to pick the perfect team, it would be a group of rock star polymaths with a single subject matter expert as a resource. I've seen this in certain places that I've worked over the years where um, not being skilled in a range of areas is seen as a negative and you're not seen as, as useful, I suppose. You know, it's strange to me that someone who has kind of expert knowledge in a particular area would ever be you know, considered not useful enough or not valuable enough to the team. But at the same time, they are, you know, they're, they're equally as invaluable. You, you need people in your team that can do a range of different things and, and sort of fill the gaps, so to speak. But you also need people who are, you know, experts in one particular area. Because while you might be able to be a polymath in theory, it still takes a tremendous amount of time to, to do so. And even then, I, I doubt you could be a polymath in like loads and loads and loads of fields, maybe like four or five fields, you know, that are completely different. I mean, I suppose it depends, depends on your intellectual level, depends on how quickly you can learn and, and such. But, you know, there's only so much time in the day and it's, there's a lot of shifting and adapt adaptability that is involved with that. And I don't know that it's always possible, but as I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there are classic examples of famous people who have been successful polymaths um, and have also been criticized within their own ages for, for, for being so, for lacking focus and whatnot. Um, so this idea, I suppose, of specialism versus multi-potentiality has always really existed and probably always will and, and will likely go through through different ages of this. Uh, but I want to read some more information that I've uh, found today. Isis Jade makes a clear distinction between multipotentiality and polymaths. She states that multipotentiality refers simply to one's potential in multiple fields, owing to his or her diverse interests and attempts. Polymaths, on the other hand, are distinguished by their mastery and expertise in several fields. In this sense, multipotentialites can be viewed as potential polymaths. Now, I explained this earlier, but I wanted to just kind of read you that quote because that was where it clicked for me that I needed to do an episode that, that covers both. Because when I look at the idea of a multipotentialite and I, I look at like Emily Wapnick's um, example of it, you know, she, she gave an example of a guy who was a scientist, but also a violinist. And, you know, in that sense, he's likely an expert in his scientific field and just very, very good in his um, field of being a musician. But whether or not he's an expert in both of those fields is up for debate. But if he was an expert in, in both of those fields, he would fit more into the polymath category than he would multipotentialite. And I think arguably multipotentialite is a term that could be used to just refer to those people who 
maybe have like a, a novel interest in those areas or are very good, very skilled in a lot of different areas, but not necessarily experts. But as I say, it's up for debate. As regards to uh, terminology for multipotentialism, um, there are other terms used to refer to multipotentialites, such as scanners, slashers, generalists, multi, <laughs> I love that one though, generalists, it's kind of a bit like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite expert, it's, it's, it's like, oh, he's a generalist, you know, he knows a little bit in these areas, a general knowledge. Uh, multi-passionate, RP2, I don't know what that is, and multipods. Uh, whereas polymaths are more classically known as Renaissance men, and uh, there's a few other examples of that. I just want to explore a little bit on this idea of polymaths, because I found there was a lot more to go into with polymathy, because um, multipotentialism seems like a relatively new idea, sort of like 21st century idea, or 20th century idea, my apologies, because um, it was originally sort of explored in 1972. Uh, I'm sure there might, there might be some older examples of that, but polymathy, as I say, in the Western world, dates back to the 1600s. And that's a key thing. The first sentence I, I found online regarding it, it said, in the Western world. So it kind of almost implies that elsewhere, this term might have been explored and it might have been around for much longer than that. Um, Peter Burke warns that in the age of specialization, which is what we're in now, polymathic people are more necessary than ever, both for synthesis, to paint the picture, and for analysis. And this is what I was covering earlier, people that fill in the gaps within a team. He says that it takes a polymath to mine the gap and draw attention to the knowledge that may otherwise disappear into the spaces between disciplines as they are currently defined and organized. I really wanted to get this quote in this, in this episode because there's been many cases where I've noticed in, in group situations, particularly when I was at university, where if you have a person that is multidisciplined or has knowledge in a lot of different areas, they can bring you ideas that you'd never thought of. Yes, you might be an expert in one field, but if you're only an expert in one field and you don't know about the knowledge that is relevant to you from other disciplines that can better help you to understand your field or, or help you to kind of expand your mind, then you're kind of, it's kind of like narrow-minded. You're missing out. You're, you're missing out on valuable knowledge and information. And particularly when you're working in a group dynamic where let's say you have to work on a project that draws inspiration or knowledge from a range of different areas, it's just not going to cut it if you only have knowledge and, and experience in one particular area. You know, it's useful and you can be the kind of authority on that particular aspect of, of the project, but you're not going to be able to fully contribute on a kind of generalized perspective because you're kind of tunnel vision, really. Um, and that's not to say that all specialists are like that. I, I don't believe that anyone is. I think like many things in life, this is kind of more of a spectrum thing. I, th I think personally that we are all multipotentialites and that we have a choice between or we often choose between being a multipotentialite or a polymath or being a specialist but i don't think even specialists i don't think they really fully abandon the idea of it, other fields i mean everyone has hobbies everyone has interests do you know what i mean even if you are like full-on mathematician scientist doctor whatever right you're still going to have things that you like to do outside of that um some things that you might be really good at maybe you're really good at dancing 
you know, completely different field, but maybe you're really good at that. And that would mean that you'd fit more into multi-potentialite category. And I think that's where I kind of disagree with this idea of um, everyone being, or there being, you know, specialists who only focus on one area. I think that's just a kind of a thing that society pushes on us. Like that's the agenda, not in a, well, maybe there's a political agenda to it, but I think that that's something that's been pushed upon us in this age and used to be more relevant in the past, you know, like when you worked in, in factories in the industrial age, that would have been more kind of where having a specialism was key. Whereas now, as I said earlier, the business world expects you to be skilled in a range of areas. You just have to be, or you won't get the job. And a lot of companies are not willing to take the risk on someone who doesn't have everything. I mean, for instance, I've had, I, I remember I was unemployed for a year and a half and I had so many places telling me I didn't have enough experience or, you know, enough skills. And bear in mind, I had four, at the time four years experience and I'd worked in a range of different fields, but maybe let's say out of 10 fields, uh, I only had experience in seven or eight of them, but they're not willing to take the risk on the final two. But how are you going to find that person who has those five years experience in all those different areas and is an expert in all those areas? You're not because they probably already have a job and they're probably already a manager. They're not going to be an entry level person. But again, I digress. Uh, I made a point here in my notes that I think perhaps in the future we will all be multi-potentialites or polymaths. But since sort of thinking on it now, I, th I think we already are, to be honest. And perhaps the education system will adjust in order to produce these sorts of people. I honestly think that could be something that happens in the future. Um, I feel like, oh, dropping my papers. I feel like um, university will, will have to change to reflect that. Um, the job market changes all the time. You know, when, when I first went to university, you had to have a degree in the UK. You had to have a degree. You just couldn't get most jobs without a degree not you couldn't even get an interview and then a couple of years in to my degree i noticed all these apprenticeships and internships and entry-level positions cropping up where you didn't need a degree or anything and by the time i finished my degree and years afterwards it quickly became apparent that a degree was no longer necessary it was more of an option and to this day for most disciplines a university degree is just an option and i covered this a bit more in my university episodes, make sure you go check that out. But um, it's true, like it's just, now it's a case of, well, if you want university, then you're probably going there for the experience, for the connections, for things like that. And I'm talking for most, you know, specialisms. Obviously it's different if you wanna be a doctor or a lawyer, like you need to go to university and you need to study for many, many years after the fact. Like that's, that's, where those particular fields will never change because you, you have to do that to acquire the knowledge necessary to do those those things. But when it comes to things like business, let's say theater, art, these kind of areas, you can teach yourself. You can teach yourself online. You could probably, I mean, I feel like in many ways you're just paying for resources in those particular subjects at university. I could learn all of that stuff that I learned at university in books, online, journals, whatever, um, you're just paying for resources. Sounds harsh, but it's true. Um, will, will the education system change in that regard? I mean, it's a big shift. 
I think you can make a case for it, certainly at school level. Um, I think by nature, you, there'll always be a system in place that teaches you many different things, but whether or not they'll push you to actually be a multi-potentialite or be a polymath is another case. I mean, I can see a case being made for that for university because depending on the focus of your university, they will prepare you to an extent for the job markets, but it depends on the agenda of your university. Like mine was a research-based uni, so they want to push you into doing academia because from a business standpoint, that's what they're going to make money out of by you doing academia. They never really, my uni never really helped people going into the world of work. There were schemes available to, to help you with that and whatnot, but really and truthfully, they didn't, they didn't help at all. Um, I got a lot from from my degree, but I think the bigger things I got were the experience, um, connections, that kind of thing, um, and the experiences. But as far as actual knowledge, I learned how to do what I know how to do now from working, from being in industry. Um, so I think maybe you could make a case for university changing to adjust to a new age of neo-Renaissance man, but we shall see we shall see and i've got a final kind of point here from james c kaufman and i'm going to say a baguetto i can't pronounce his first name proposed a typology of polymathy and within that they outlined three main requirements intelligence motivation to be creative and an environment that allows creative expression now, I think this environment for creative expression requirement is arguably the most important because you need resources in order to be able to pursue your interests. And you also need people around you that will create an environment that will help you to facilitate that. When I got away from the people that told me, you know, you need to focus on one thing, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I started just trying lots of different things and not being met with opposition. I started to realize that I could do all of those things happily and successfully. And there's no kind of consequence of that. The only thing you have to learn how to do is manage your time effectively in order to do all of those things. But that's what we're talking about here. Not that you can't do it, that you need to adjust and adapt to make it possible. I think this polymathy versus specialization argument or multi-potentiality versus specialization argument is always going to be an argument that exists in society because there's like different requirements for different people based on their upbringing where they're from you know culture is a big thing some some cultures require you to have a specialism that's, that's what their culture expects of you. There's high demands, expectations placed upon you. There's other cultures that, that don't do this, that you know, try to foster people who can be anything they want to be. You know, um, So I think the environment that you grow up in is arguably the most important aspect. And certainly the people around you will inevitably influence you. You can build up strength over years, and this is something that I've done, where you can be almost impervious to criticism, you know, that's trying to direct you and tell you what to do and, and stop you from being who you are. Um, 
but it's hard if everyone around you is saying one thing it's difficult not to listen to that you know even if it is wrong and you know in your heart that it's wrong it's difficult to fight that but to bring it all kind of full circle with this when i heard emily wapnick talk about this idea that there's a community of people around the world who are multi-potentialites who are polymaths i then realized i'm not alone and neither are you so i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did um i can happily do a, po um, a polymath <laughs> a follow-up episode to this if you would like to learn more or you'd like me to answer particular questions more than happy to do so thank you so much for listening to the christian reef podcast and until next time peace out one love I'll see you in the next one